positive attitudes, diversity and inclusion, success stories, education and advocacy, employability, this and much more on Thrive. Hi everybody and welcome to the second episode of the Thrive Podcast. My name is Anu Pala and I'm here with my friends and colleagues, Mark, Marcel, and Andy. Welcome, everybody. Thanks, Anu. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Really happy to be here today. Me too. So the Thrive Podcast is focusing on diverse abilities. I wanted to start off by just talking a little bit about my personal experience with vision loss. I have experienced attitudes around disability in terms of, you know, just the myths and stereotypes, misperceptions that people have around diverse abilities. Can you both tell our listeners a little bit about your personal challenges with diverse abilities? For me, I was born with arthroposis, and essentially what that is is uh, limitations in my arms uh, for my joints. They're uh, more tight than usual. For me, like some of the limitations is just physical lifting or uh, using my arms. I'm more limited in that sense. Uh, sometimes it can be obvious for other folks and then they'll perceive that differently. Or sometimes uh, it won't be as obvious when I'm doing certain tasks and then those circumstances, it will be less of a adverse reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do people react to you or respond to you? Um, generally speaking, I think most folks are pretty nice. Like if they see that there's a challenge, most of the times like people will try to help out in terms of employability or uh, just general life-to-life uh, -life living. You don't want to promote uh, your limitations or challenges. But what you want to do is you talk about your successes, wh what types of skills you have, and, and just market yourself in terms of what type of value you can bring for an employer or a company uh, when you're trying to apply for jobs or when you're uh, interacting with others. Okay, awesome, thank you. And what about you, Marcel? Uh, after my brain injury around 2014, I experienced some physical and cognitive challenges. And along with that, I also had mental health challenges going along the same time. Um, so I grew quite a lot as a person just learning about it and sort of accepting it and realizing that it's it's okay to go through that. It's okay um, to say to yourself that you can recover. Um, so I would say that's what I sort of see in terms of diverse abilities that we all have our weaknesses, limitations and challenges and to embrace it as as an individual. Mm -hmm. Marcel, you talked about your brain injury because it's, a, it's an invisible disability. Like you don't have any sort of physical attributes that, that demonstrate or that show that you have any kind of a challenge. So can you talk a little bit about some of the misperceptions or experiences that you've had, um, like how people respond to you? Yeah, that's quite an interesting experience I had um, because, yes, you're right, like it's not a physical one where someone could see it and perceive it um, and act differently around you. Um, and even as an individual, because you can't see it yourself, mm -hmm. you're also not going to um, 
accept it. Uh, so for me, it was kind of the similar case. I did not want it to accept the trauma that I had gone through and the limitation and challenges that I was having. And I, I was basically in denial. And I think when I kind of realized, and that's where Center for Ability has been like a great program that has been part of my life. When I had my social worker at the time, she sort of assessed and she told me like, this is what I think would be good for you to give it a try. And as resistant as I was, um, because I felt like, no, I'm, I'm fine. There's nothing that I need to recover um, or do. But as I kind of took part and opened up, I, I learned quite a lot and I embraced the recovery process. And I encourage people to realize that if they're experiencing sort of a trauma right after a brain injury per se, um, to embrace their recovery journey, because that's what I did. That really resonates for me. When I first lost my vision, I was in denial. I can say that now very openly, but at the time I didn't realize it, but I love what you said about embracing your healing journey because once I actually came to terms with my reality, my, my journey changed. And I think that is one thing for people who are experiencing a loss like that. Um, once you come to terms with, with your uh, reality, then that is the, the starting point to um, moving towards leading uh, a meaningful life. Yes, absolutely. I remember um, it was a struggle for me to focus in school. And it was because of the aftermath of the brain injury. However, I would go home and, and cry for hours, frustrated. Mm -hmm. Why can't I be the same as the rest of um, my friends mm -hmm. in class? And um, one thing that helped me the most is to realize I'm at a different stage. I'm recovering, but it's not a bad thing. And as I went along, I actually gained so many other skills and learned so much more about myself that made me more confident about mm -hmm. who I am and made me embrace um, my weaknesses mm -hmm. and apply them as strength that's in life. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I have a similar experience to that as well. Um, in school and at work now, do you find people treat you differently? I have had a couple of experiences where certain people do treat you differently. If we talk about, say, high school, um, it's kind of embarrassing when you're not at the same level as other youth. So, you know, you kind of find it embarrassing if you have to go to the student services to write your paper differently um, or if you need, like, more time, which was my case. Um, I had to go do it in a separate room, and you would get that odd stare um, from the rest of the kids. But I think what helps in that kind of situation is just to understand yourself and be, be confident about yourself and just understand that if you accept yourself and say this is okay um, others around you are going to do as well but it starts within you absolutely absolutely and Andy are you generally included in social situations um, generally speaking I think uh, uh, it, it kind of varies but yeah I try to stay positive when I'm around other people and just be confident I think that's an important part of um, interacting with others is that people should be positive and confident about who they are. When issues like, oh, um, uh, are you able to do this or are you limited in a certain way, uh, if, if these kind of issues come up, 
when I'm doing a certain activity, when these questions come up, my my response is to try and just address it up front. Oh, yes, I'm able to, or no, I'm not. And, and just be confident and positive about who you are or who I am, right? Like, um, I think that's a really important part of interacting with others. Yeah, sometimes maybe uh, in certain social situations, I'm unable to do a certain task. Like say, for example, if my friends are out playing basketball, it kind of becomes a difficult task for me to do. And sometimes it is kind of hard watching others like when they're having fun and, yeah. and I'm not able to. But I think a big part of it is also a personal mental, mental game that, you, that I'm playing with myself, right? Like if I stay positive, then usually uh, activities will generally become more positive for me. And people, yeah. It's that law of attraction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Mark, how do you support your clients? Because you, you work with uh, people with diverse abilities and have been for many years. How do you support your clients in helping them to gain that confidence that, that Andy and Marcel are talking about? Well, thank you for asking that, Anu. Uh, and, and as I'm hearing Marcel and Andy talk, I... You know, it, it lights up the importance of attitude and, and um, you know, yeah. personal belief, positivity, all these things that, uh, that are coming out of this conversation. Because, you know, when I, when I work with an individual and, and try to help support them and build their, you know, their, their confidence and employability skills, so much of it comes from within them. Um, and and it's very it's very true what Marcel was was alluding to that uh, when you when you have doubt when you when you feel uh, in denial when you you know it's almost like the stages of grief it's very similar if you're not believing in yourself and your capabilities as an individual then it's very hard for someone else to you know make you feel differently but what I try to do is is stress the positive see the ability in, in individuals and and help them to uncover that and and generally speaking it it works you know it, it, people need to people need to see within themselves this is not you know the work that I do is not about showing people or telling people what to do or you know doing things for them it's helping them to realize their potential and and see the positives yeah i as a personal career and life coach that's one of the things that i really enjoy doing with clients is to not only help them recognize their strengths but also give them the tools to be able to promote themselves in a positive way to an employer or just in general to help them gain that self-confidence and really be able to own it. I think that's a really cool process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you speak of employers and, and uh, it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, employers are, are, are looking for people that have the right attitude above all, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, they may have a misperception or preconceived idea that someone with diverse abilities is going to present differently but if someone comes forward uh, from this group and says you know here's what I can do and I'm going to show you that I can do it usually the response is really positive on both sides it's one of those win-win situations you know and and mm -hmm. and that's part of the role that that I feel I have is to promote that among employers and people in the community that that individuals with diverse abilities you know they're people like everyone else and they have lots of strengths and and that's as you know the key as Andy and Marcel is saying is if you can see it in yourself then others will see it as well 
What I really always have appreciated about you, Mark, is that you have this passion that really comes through, and you've been working in this field for um, a number of years now. Where does that passion stem from? I've always wanted to ask you this, actually. I wish I knew. Um, but, you know, I just, I think I, I, I you know, I, I never been able to understand how people are categorized and, and, and taken out of the mainstream, uh, particularly in the case of, of having a, a different set of abilities, right? And, and mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I guess the passion comes from a desire to see people treated with respect and equality. That's where it must come from, I think. As people living with diverse abilities, I know for myself, I've, I've experienced many challenges over the years with whether it's around uh, just attitudes or technology or finding employment. I don't want this to all be about me, of course, but I would love to hear about some personal anecdotal examples of the kinds of challenges that you have all faced in finding employment. For me, the challenges I face involving employability are very similar to the experiences that most people face because it's all about how you market yourself in your resume, how you're presenting yourself in interviews, and what employers usually really want is to see value in who they're employing. And so it's for me, it was a really big issue about how I marketed myself, how I um, showed my employability to employers. And uh, when I was in university and I was looking for work in my co-op program, for one term I had issues finding work and I think a big part of finding work is perseverance because I had to submit a bunch of resumes. I had to do a lot of interviews and oftentimes you come from those interviews and, and I, I felt like, oh yeah, I have, I have this job in the bag. And then you don't hear anything for like two or three weeks and then suddenly in your third week, of applying for jobs, you suddenly find the employer giving you this, oh, I'm sorry, you, you didn't fit the, we found a better candidate or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be kind of, it, could, it can really lower uh, the person who's applying their positivity and, and you're just like, oh, I submitted, like, it felt like. Uh, I did been, all this work. Exactly, <laughs> I did all this work and, right. and, and there's no returns coming in, right? So, right. I, th so I think a big part of it is perseverance. Yeah. So how did you overcome that? How did you overcome that challenge? So perseverance, so how did you keep your spirits up? Well, I think a lot of it is having the right attitude. Like obviously, I, during the process, it didn't feel very great, but just keeping in mind of what the goal and what a goal of all of this is, and, and just reaching out for resources to help, uh, help myself uh, improve my uh, interview skills, my resume, um, and, and just in terms of presentation. And I think a big part of it also is that, uh, like I said, perseverance, because when I finally got my final position, it wasn't because I, I changed up my resume or, or because I uh, did something special in my interview. It was all really similar to what I was doing before, but it was just because after so many interviews and, and, and applications, at the end of the day, there was one employer who was like, okay, I want you for, for the job, right? So mm -hmm. so did you have a, a network of people that you went to? Like, was, it a, was there a career counselor you worked with? Did you have a, a network of friends that you leaned on? For my co-op program, 
uh, how it worked was uh, there was a career counselor that helped me review my interview skills, my resume. So I got some support there, but a lot of it was just you, you just got to apply for a lot of jobs. And at the end of the day, like maybe one of them will fit fit for you, right? So mm -hmm. that's and the right part. one, the right one will come along when it's sort of meant to be, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's awesome. What about you, Marcel? Um, I had a couple of educational challenges like as part of my recovery process I had learned and realized through my psych evaluation counseling that I experienced severe anxiety during taking exams and while I was working on that and sort of using that as a, as a strength I remember when I applied for college uh, the student services specialist a facilitator at the time said to me well you know, this isn't a real, real reason. This is just an excuse that students like to give themselves to, you know, sort of making me feel like I'm just using it as an excuse. So basically I was dismissed based on the accommodations I was requesting. But the interesting thing is that at that stage of my life, I had the confidence and the self-esteem to believe that the way the student services facilitator was communicating with me is not right and that I have to advocate and stand up for it. And, and that's exactly what I did. And I ensured that not only my accommodations are in place, um, but also for that facilitator to not be making that kind of remarks and comments to other students. So I kind of really took it up a notch to the dean um, <laughs> of, of the, the college. That's the advocate in you. <laughs> That's the advocate in me, yes. Um, because for me, I'm lucky that I had a, a very good like, team that worked with me and like sort of empowered me to believe that. But there are a lot of other youth who don't go through th those. Um, they don't have the kind of support circle. And if, right. if one of those youth walks into a school and kind of wants to pursue a career goal, and they're dismissed by the facilitator of the student services. Not a great experience to go through. It definitely impacts your self-esteem. It's uh, disappointing to hear a story like that, Marcel. And and uh, I, you know, I would say that that's often the the anecdotal things I hear are that there was one individual that had a real negative uh, impact. And and I think back to what both you, Andy, uh, and, and Marcel were saying it, it is, you know, you've got to rise above that. And, you know, you actually took the law into your own hands, which was quite, uh, you know, I, and, I, and I give you a lot of credit for that. So, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, there are, there are people out there that don't understand. And it's more like, more about education really, isn't it? And this is a perfect segue into my next question. We have been hearing a lot about unconscious bias. So this is sort of like, so those kinds of like biases or beliefs that people may not even recognize that they possess, right? So can you give some examples maybe of what are some of the unconscious biases that um, exist around difference? I would say, um, especially with diverse abilities that are invisible to the eye, people can make assumptions pretty easily. Um, and assume that someone's like limited in a certain way and that's never going to change or will remain the same or, or just have that assumption without really clarifying or asking that individual. I think that's one of, uh, one of the biases that a lot of individuals with diverse ability experience, um, which can really impact their 
mental health and their overall well-being um, about themselves. So I would say they exist, but that's why we're here to voice it out so that people can learn and, and realize. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know for me, as a person living with complete vision loss, there are a lot of misperceptions around what I can and cannot do. People seem to think that uh, there are certain things I can do and there are certain things I can't do, and they don't really recognize that they even, you know, um, mm -hmm. are uh, making those assumptions until I bring it to their attention. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that having that awareness and when in doubt, always ask the person rather than making those assumptions. Mm -hmm. so, did you have anything else to add, Mark? Well, just that, uh, I mean, the one thing that comes to mind, because I know you so well, Anu, and we've worked together, is mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I witness um, firsthand people's reaction mm -hmm. um, when I'm, you know, working alongside you. The funny thing is, there's many people, I think, I'm pretty certain, that have no awareness that you have vision loss. Um, they and and that's you know a, a credit to your abilities really you know more than anything but um, you know the the fact that you are so capable and I'm sure some people as you say have preconceived ideas about what you're able to do and what you're not able to do I think if we could all just put those you know and it's not always easy to do but if we could all just put those preconceived ideas behind us and try and take on each individual as an individual. I think we, we move, move away from this uh, categorization because, you know, there's, there's, you know, there, there's media portrayals and, and uh, you know, all kinds of uh, um, stereotypical ideas around what it's like to have diverse abilities. But, uh, you know, each individual has their own experience of that. And, and I think that's what needs to be stressed. It's like, you know, in the films where they show the, the blind person feeling the person's face. <laughs> it's like, who does that? Yeah, <laughs> only in films, right? Only uh, in yeah. films, only in the movies. <laughs> it's so true, it's so true. So what does inclusivity for all look like? Well, for me, I think it's being treated like on a fair level, especially on, in employment. And I think um, gradually over the years, this has gotten better, right? But um, like there, there may be times where, when someone is applying for work and, and that and there's a barrier there from the employer to accessing, uh, on an equal, uh, playing field in, in applying for the work. But, uh, yeah, but I think, um, generally speaking, it's just being on the same level and being able to access the same services or, or, or demonstrating your skills based on your employability and ir irregardless of your ability. I would say implementing a clear communication channel, even as a colleague or like as, a, as an employer. What I mean by this is that, say, if, um, if an employer or a colleague has questions about you know, someone with a diverse ability or assisting them with setting up accommodations just to ask and have that conversation rather than making assumptions. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a huge difference um, when they have a clear communication, then this way they're not assuming anything and it's, it's just been communicated. Yeah, I, I would add on to that and just say that, you know, understanding that there are different ways to do things and, uh, you know, in order for us to have an inclusive 
workplace or an inclusive society, we need to be accepting the fact that some people do things in different ways, but equally effectively. You know, mm -hmm. if if uh, if I'm expecting you, Anu, for example, to uh, um, use your your site to access information, then I'm asking you to do something that's very difficult, if not impossible. Yes. Right? But you have technology at your hands. You have um, the ways and means to uh, navigate this world, and so I just have to accept that this is a different way to do it, and it works equally well. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other things is that I think more and more people need to surround themselves around people with diverse abilities in order to really understand what strengths people bring to the table. I think often a lot of these misperceptions, misunderstandings come from, it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. That Jahari's <laughs> window. When you actually take the time and the effort to bring different people uh, into your networks, into your groups. I mean, th that's, I think, what, what, oh my God, there's like, there's so many benefits to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we all learn from each other. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, when you have people with different cultural backgrounds, same thing applies, right? I think, uh, Anu, you brought up a really good point, which is that um, there needs to be education and outreach regarding this kind of topic and I think that's where Thrive comes in and, and where this podcast comes in right because mm -hmm. this podcast is accessible for anyone it's not just for people with diverse abilities and honestly the diverse ability community is a huge employable resource for employers right and and if you miss out on this uh, really awesome resource it's kind of sad for 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 you. Okay, this is all really great stuff, everybody. So as we're wrapping up today's episode, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, I think I'm just really excited sharing my experiences. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, for the upcoming podcast and, and, and bring some value for uh, the general BC community as a whole, right? We're looking forward to hearing from our youth in terms of what kind of situations they have come across, what kind of issues they have experienced, and if they would like us to explore a certain topic and talk about it. Yeah, I, I would say that's a wonderful place to leave off is, is having uh, the input from people out there listening. If, if anybody wants to get in touch, please do, because uh, we'd, we'd love to support and, uh, and assist people with any of their challenges. So we encourage all of our listeners to reach out if you want to learn more about the Thrive Program or the BC Centre for Ability in terms of what we offer to our youth with diverse abilities. So please feel free to visit us at bc-cfa.org. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Thrive Podcast, generously supported by RBC Foundation, Coast Capital Youth Investment Grant, and the BC Centre for Ability Foundation. To learn more about Thrive or the BC Centre for Ability, visit us at www.bc-cfa.org. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.